Welcome to Couch Convos, Citric Biz and Tech Talks. This is John Cackley. Today I'm talking with Tracy Dixon and Nick Ron about managing high traffic websites. So what we want to talk about today is something pretty timely. A few weeks back, gosh, I was about to say Britney Spears again. My wife had to correct me on that yesterday. No, Taylor Swift had tickets for a concert tour go on sale, something like 4 million tickets all on sale at once, and uh, chaos ensued. So, Tracer Nick, from your perspective, from a technology standpoint, what happened? Tracy, you want to you want to kick it off? I think you've got sure. more firsthand feedback. So, uh, Taylor Swift is is very popular, and Ticketmaster did plan um, for a very large event, but um, the amount of volume that they saw was uh, far in excess of what they were expecting. And Ticketmaster is saying um, that the reason for at least a portion of that was that there is significant bot traffic that caused them to, to have a, a crash and for many people to walk away unhappy. All right. And so the outcome, uh, the bot traffic, now did it bring down the website or did it just block humans from user, using the, web, the website? So from what I read, I, there was a crash, or at least there were for some people, um, mm -hmm. that a significant portion of folks um, did not get the results they were hoping for and walking away with tickets. They didn't go into a lot of detail on what they, they posted, but um, they're saying that it was not just unprecedented demand of bots. Okay. All right. Now, and I read something that said this was the pre-sale, where you had to have some sort of code that you got from somewhere, and that by the time they stopped it, 97% of all the tickets for the concert tour had been sold. So if you were an, an average schmuck, uh, you had, you know, you were fighting over the last 3%. No <laughs> You're pretty much out of luck. All right. So it was, you know, lack of preparation for demand, volume of users, anything else we know of from a, from a demand standpoint or an explanation for this? I think that demand is, is probably the major the major thing. I mean, you can only plan for, you can plan for so much volume based off of popularity or the event or the type of events and the, who's putting those events on. But when you, when you build that out, uh, there's a certain level of automation that you're expecting. And then for this event, particularly and, and other events that have happened since it's, it's got, it's grown much more uh, because people are wanting to they're really wanting to get those tickets. So they're using other services to get the tickets, mm -hmm. uh, in which case they're not sitting in front of their computer because maybe they can't. So they're reaching out to a service to get the ticket for them. And so are thousands of other people and they're trying to get tickets or resell their tickets. So that's just that is, is probably greater than the sum of everyone who's actually sitting at their computer, right? clicking the refresh button. All right. So when we were sort of chatting about this, I'll say in the green room, Tracy, you might have mentioned that 40% of all internet traffic is bots. That's what the estimation is, which I was a little surprised about that, which doesn't necessarily represent anything negative, both good and bad bots doing things that people don't have to do, but also mm -hmm. bots going to, to try to capture some things that you might want to get yourself. Right. So uh, maybe to sort of expand, you know, when we say bots, I, mostly in my mind, being a little bit older, I translate this, in, translate this into uh, batch jobs uh, <laughs> or, you know, some sort of autonomous batch job running around doing things. What are some of the, you know, useful functions that you would use a bot for uh, besides just trying to 
grab tickets? So one of the, the first ones I built helped hospice patients get the fastest bedside care possible. So when you have a, a really short time available, um, bots are remarkable at getting things done pretty quickly and with super high quality. Okay, great. So, so they're, they're tools that are going out, they're looking on the internet for services, information, options, and you know, bringing those back so that a human being can then evaluate and, and confirm them or so they're what then? just simply put, they're doing things that you might do um, when you click with your mouse, when you type in the mm -hmm. keyboard, they're just replicating what you do. And it could be, you know, in any area, really, as long as there's a good set of instructions. So okay. it could be registering you for classes quickly if you wanted to, you know, that type of thing. Okay. So on the end, you know, it's not like malware, right? It's that there are positive legal ethical uses of bots is really what the, the point is. For sure, for sure. You can put that in, in unethical hands and then people are, are replicating what they would still do behind a, a keyboard and a mouse um, that are not so good. So okay. you have both ends of it. All right. And I guess the other thing about this from a volume standpoint, and we're, you know, we're driving towards the question of from a architecture and infrastructure design standpoint, you know, how would you account for sort of this? But but is the situation that happened with the Taylor Swift tour, is that uh, an anomaly because it's Taylor Swift and it's her first tour in three years or whatever it is? Or is this sort of thing that could happen, uh, you know, for, in a lot of different circumstances? I think it's definitely something that can happen in multiple circumstances. For example, Taylor Swift is is recent in our mind, but she's not the only artist that this has happened to recently. Mm -hmm. And there's also other services that have been brought down because of uh, automation or bots that are going through. I'm thinking of, we had early on in 2020, there were automate, automatic services going and searching information to, or maybe not 2020, back when uh, vaccines were released and there was information mm -hmm. searching to who can get those or who is available or getting reports of here's the latest at, in my county or in my state or in my district. Right. And some of those automation services were, were hitting websites constantly, refreshing to get the latest information. And it was causing humans at their PC to, to not get the information that they're looking for because there's, there's a pipe only so big and 99% of it is automation and bots. And then the 1% is, is humans trying to get through, they're having slowness or, or issues. Okay. So it's nothing new specifically right. to Taylor Swift, but I, I think it's because of the popularity and the the incentive to, to see Taylor Swift after a few years of not being on tour, that adds mm -hmm. to it for sure. All right. So let's imagine a hypothetical competitor of Ticketmaster, you know, digital box office. I hope that's not a real... It's got to be a real website, right? But let's pretend it's imaginary. We have no idea of the a company by that name. We're going to build an architecture. We're going to sell tickets to sporting events, plays, musical concerts. How do you approach the architecture to deal with this problem? So I, I think part of it's having something that scales, that auto scales. So when you do have unprecedented demand, you can address that for sure. You can size up. Uh, I think you also have to be on point. If you're making available anything that is high demand, whether it be sneakers or you know a certain mm -hmm. Christmas thing that everyone wants or tickets or, or whatever it may be, 
you're going to have to have some type of sophisticated um, response to, to bots, which whatever they figure out, it's always going to be next level. They'll always be looking for the, the next way around whatever you implement. So it's it's a chess match. So what would you do about the about bots? I think we discussed before, it didn't sound like in this particular case, Ticketmaster had, had any particular technology to block them. I, I, I'm is that right? Is that right? So or? In, in fairness, it sounds like um, they're probably using one of the, the major services. So it's not as much um, super obvious like a CAPTCHA where mm -hmm. you would see that and go, oh, okay, this is the, the response. Mm -hmm. It's more sophisticated than that because CAPTCHAs can be automated, um, even the the big grids of, of pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're looking for a few things. You're looking for keystrokes, um, whether they're human-like or bot-like. If they're um, very quick and, you know, one after the other, you'd be mm -hmm. looking for patterns like that. You'd be looking at um, where the traffic originated from, the, the server, the IP, the likely place where it came from, whether those are on the a band list or not how often you're seeing traffic from the same place. But there's mm -hmm. a whole series of different things, um, and it's it's definitely not a singular approach. You have to put all, all right. of those together, and then that may keep people out that are looking to get tickets, depending on how you know super fast they were. Um, you might have issues with that. You wouldn't necessarily block bots, but you would, you'd have that suite of behavior sensing that you're describing. Right. So, and yeah. likely if they were, if whatever algorithm you came up with detected that it's likely a bot, then you would not let that continue. Um, but that could potentially block people that are, are pretty fast on the draw. So, okay. There's a lot of factors. It's definitely not any easy thing because anything easy can be automated against. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Nick, what, what would you do? What do you think you'd target from an architecture point of view? I think I actually might step back from the architecture point okay. of view. I know you, you very directly asked about it, but I think I might uh, first assess my company's policy, what our policy is sure. on that type of behavior. Because even, even if we're assessing whether a bot is being used, in some scenarios that could be a good or a bad thing, we might want to encourage or discourage that for specific events and be able to say yes, we're allowing you to use bots, or no, we're not. Uh, building with automation, if, if we want to allow bots, building with automation in mind and making it easier so that maybe there's a different lane or a different path for these services to mm -hmm. use to purchase mm -hmm. tickets or whatever the service is, building that and publishing it would be pretty high priority for me. Building some type of API or infrastructure mm -hmm. so that they don't have to use the same exact service that a human is using or someone who's using to get tickets. Tracy mentioned scalability, definitely have that scale uh, across the board, whether that's service or an interface. And then even going down the line, as Tracy mentioned with having uh, AI, you can, you can track a procedure of buying a ticket from account creation to purchasing the ticket and what those behaviors are saying and build an algorithm to say, do we think this is a human buying this or do we think this is a bot or a service buying that? And then giving that final decision to someone to say, yes, I think this is a bot. We need to flag their account and put all of their recent ticket sales on, on pending. And then again, on the process, uh, maybe it would be a good idea to 
to add these tickets to a queue. After you purchase it, you're in a queue, queue for verification that you're actually a human. Or, or even separate some actual tickets out for physical sale. That doesn't right. happen extremely often anymore, but could be yeah. beneficial as well. Yeah, I, I'm glad you went back up to the policy level because uh, I was talking about this scenario with my wife last night, and our suspicion, possibly a cynical one, is that in fact, Ticketmaster might want resellers, bots to buy a lot of tickets. Um, they create scarcity. It, you know, presumably, you know, they might attach some fee to transferring tickets between accounts, and you know, they are getting the money earlier. You know, potentially, depending on the type of. So, I can see a lot of upside if I'm a digital box office and I want to sell a lot of tickets, and I want money in my pocket as soon as I can. I may want this. Right. You, you may wonder why um, why don't they disallow resale? Right. And so looking into that, it appears that that's in the hands of the artist, that some tickets are not available for resale. Ah, um, okay. So then would you be willing to, to buy a ticket if you fall ill and are, are stuck with the cost and can't do anything about it? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely something to say whose responsibility is it on that side is from the company standpoint yeah it makes sense allow the bots they get their money faster and there's they're still getting paid right from the service perspective it's it's from a, a human perspective that now we have to pay through another uh, another person all right so when we chatted a little bit about this uh as i say in, in our quote-unquote green room we talked about how about the challenges of running perhaps a high volume website and you want to enable bots because they're they're part of your application architecture, but running into challenges where perhaps a a company's security services actually wanted to block your own bots, which were being productive. Did did you have that scenario, Nick or Tracy, which I can't remember the exact situation you were describing. We have had scenarios where uh, we're trying to build out an automation to a service provider's website and there's a captcha form. And it's it's not a something we're doing high volume. It's this automation happens maybe every week or every day. And it was probably some some generic way. It's a login form. Let's turn on a captcha because it's it's on by default. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily them trying to block bots, but it's slowing, it could slow automation down. Mm -hmm. uh, and getting a hold of whoever built that interface or that website, sometimes that doesn't uh, that doesn't work out, and it's usually not for nefarious reasons. We're just trying to make it easier on our client and potentially on whoever's website it is as well. Mm -hmm. It usually benefits both. So in that case, it wasn't it wouldn't necessarily be a like a security policy. It might just be a hey, we thought we were doing the right thing. By adding this configuration or this configuration step of having a capture or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could have just been doing that. And they could have been doing it for for maybe they don't want keyword logging or not keyword logging. They don't want mm -hmm. uh, logging, Google right. search. They don't want search mm -hmm. logging on those websites or the these mm -hmm. pages. So they put that in there and that stops uh, like the web crawlers, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tracy, any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean there. We've had more than um, one company ask about 
legitimately getting past some of these things in order to to keep a person from having to do a really mundane process that um, is not the best use of their time. And so that then kind of puts you ethically as to whether or not, you know, do we make the effort to get around some of these things because, you know, that in the wrong hands uh, would be less than ideal for sure. But, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, there's some some back and forth for sure. And at this point, uh, a lot of companies, at least the more sophisticated ones that, that mm -hmm. have anti-bot um, type software, don't even use CAPTCHAs anymore. There will be a next CAPTCHA type thing, right. um, you know, in the, in the future. So what efforts do you put to get around that? Right. One thing, one thing that came to mind during this conversation and an earlier question that you asked was humans are really good at making things easier on ourselves. So <laughs> we can we can put up another wall or another moat, but I'm sure the next thing is going to be how do we cross that moat or how do we break that, build a bridge for that? And we, we might be in the same boat saying having the same podcast in a year or two years. Right. Right. And we often do things that you might think are counter to our own interests when we do it. There's, there's a great thing. I think I saw it on in Instagram. You know, it's like whatever you say, you know, 1999, you know, you get told, hey, don't get in a car with a strange person. You know, 2008, don't don't meet somebody, you know, that you won't, don't don't go in person to meet somebody you've just met on the Internet. Right. And now 2022, we use Uber to have strangers come pick us up in their cars. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Those two things didn't combined. our parents tell us <laughs> not to do this? <laughs> Right, for sure. And if you uh, you could go completely non-digital, uh, avoid the the mm -hmm. front end bots. Are you willing to go stand in a line at will call for your tickets in the future? I, right. I read that uh, Ticketmaster expects about an hour on average for a concert to be sold out. Yeah, that's just amazing, I and mean, that certainly says something about how their model works. But I mean, I remember trying to buy things from Ticketmaster, you know, way pre-internet and standing in line at customer service at a, you know, at a grocery store. I'm not sure that ever actually succeeded. I was, you know, I don't remember actually successfully buying tickets that way because it was such a pain and it was whatever was physically, you know, distributed to that store, right? That was, uh, right. It was a nightmare. Kind of the uh, Black Friday middle, you know, people wait out in lines from 2 a.m. on. Are you willing to do that versus the purchasing online? Right, right. You know, one thing that comes in, uh, some of where you were heading there, Nick, is just how we treat human beings as customers. So separating ourselves from Ticketmaster, we're not trying to evaluate them here. But again, our, our digital box office, imaginary company, and we're trying to maintain some sort of, let's just say, customer experience or fairness of, for our human beings out there. What do we do? We know there are going to be these bots out there. We may not be able to beat the bots. What can we do for our human customers who, you know, just really want to buy four tickets to a concert? Well, I mean, there's there's a couple of different ways I could think of uh, having either one implemented fully. I'm not sure is, is is great. The first thing that comes to mind is is if we can have different purchase paths for automation versus humans, even on a website or the internet, separating out a certain number of tickets for for each. Like it's difficult when it's a stadium and you have an assigned seat, right? Mm -hmm. So which which uh, section do do bots get? Which section do mm -hmm. do humans get? Or maybe it's a quantity of each section. 
Sure. That might be a better way to do it. And then having uh, maybe just some of these bots that are going out are ticket brokers. They're they're selling and, and reselling, and that's their job. And maybe the artist working up front with the the digital box office and saying, hey, we know there's going to be ticket brokers. Let's let's enable this. Um, let's go ahead and put so many out on the market for, for use mm -hmm. in that area. And then maybe we can have a, a happy path for, for everyone who's, who's using this. <laughs> All right. Mm -hmm. All right. And let's flip it around. You know, next big concert that comes up, you're a human being, wants to buy some tickets. How can you fight? How can you get? Are there any tips of how you can fight the bots, how you can get a, a shot at those tickets? So I, the fan clubs, I mean, that, although that didn't work in Taylor Swift's case, um, they do often get access to tickets a day or two early. Um, if you've been a, a verified mm -hmm. user of uh, or participant in um, some type of promotional thing prior where you've made your or your fanship known. Um, I personally would probably be willing to to purchase a not for resale ticket. Okay. That gave me um, additional options there, and I knew I didn't have to compete, and I yeah, take the a, risk of being ill. Yeah, so that's another option. Yeah, uh, to your answer, Nick, if the if some tickets are designated not for transfer, not for resale, the, the bot the bot can't do anything with that. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. You could have a, a certain, you know, even the the high value exclusive ones. Those ones not be, or some some percentage of them, be not for resale or not for transfer. That's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. So, and just just sort of reflect. I mean, I don't know how many events a year really sort of fall into sort of this challenge. Obviously, this was big news, but you know, I know a couple of weeks ago I went online, I went on Ticketmaster, and I bought tickets to a play in April. And yeah, I feel like there were some bots out there. Probably bought a bunch of the tickets, but there were plenty of tickets available for the, uh, you know, for the uh, uh, performance I wanted to see. So that was not necessarily a, you know, it's not affecting every single possible event that you could see. Um, yeah, there's definitely specific events and types of events that, or even areas on those events that are targeted more. So for your event that you went to, maybe there was a general admission or stadium seats that are mm -hmm. in the back that are pretty easy to get. So maybe bots mm -hmm. aren't tar targeting those, but front row, VIP experiences, those right. could be the ones that bots are targeting. So yeah. even though you may not have experienced it, it could just because of your seat selection. Yeah, I was trying to get pretty good seats for a play, and yeah, it did seem like the main floor was pretty cleared out. You know, the within a few hours of it going on sale, it was like it seemed a lot. But so just in sort of a you know a, a follow up to the end of this, did you guys hear? I think it was a few days ago there was news. Uh, big again back on the Taylor Swift tour. In Mexico, big issue. No, it wasn't big. Issue. It was Bad Bunny. It wasn't Taylor Swift. So Bad Bunny also had an issue a few weeks ago with with Ticketmaster with the concert tour, where I forget what it was, fraudulent bots, or whatever. But now there are these things where people have legal tickets, and the venues are turning people away because their scanners don't recognize the tickets. Did you guys hear about that? I had heard about it. Uh, I haven't dug into it too much, but I mean, this goes into some of the scalability that Tracy mentioned. You need to be able to scale uh, not only purchasing, but your ticket log on the back end to say mm -hmm. uh, user one bought 
ticket XYZ, but over here in another dis uh, district or maybe a different website, user four didn't buy ticket XYZ at the same time, and those are conflicting. So you need to build your systems out and architect them so that they're both scaling appropriately and they're not conflicting with each other. Yeah. Yeah, so, part of this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that reminds me of, I remember years ago, coupon counterfeiting and, and those being <laughs> an issue at the grocery store. I mean, there if you have a bad actor, it doesn't really matter what the medium is. You're, you, you'll run to some issues at times. Right. Yeah, and actually the latest issue sounded like the handheld scanners that people had at the gates were falsely reading tickets as invalid. And so yeah. the concert started and the arena was basically empty because the scanners weren't, weren't letting anybody in. Yeah. Um, and this is something, you know, this is in Mexico and a lot of tickets were going for like a thousand, $900 or $1,000 a piece, which is monthly wage in Mexico. So people were pretty upset about it. Uh, I mean, yeah, $900 or $1,000 is a lot of money for a ticket for anything. But it's a lot of money. Yeah. I guess it's a little afield from, you know, where we're going in terms of web design, but it does sound like, you know, there's another level down. I don't know how how the scanners are connected back to your database of of tickets. I mean, there's got to be, I would presume there's something that's, you know, reading a barcode or a QR code either way. And, you know, why is it not reading the right, you know, why is it not hitting, coming, getting the right uh, return back from the database on that? Yeah, it's a it's a good reason to have a backup and a backup to your backup, right? <laughs> so if if you're using barcode scanners, is the Bluetooth, is the Wi-Fi working? What happens if your internet's out in that facility? Do you have a backup internet? Do you have a backup Wi-Fi? If not, how do people get their tickets? How are people getting in the door? And those are good questions that uh, concert venues and uh, providers should be asking is what happens if we can't scan these tickets? Because in that in that instance, maybe there was five percent who happened to pick up their tickets from Will Call, and they got to go to the concert, and it right. was completely empty. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Makes yeah, you I wonder if the uh, Internet of Things devices are also susceptible to hacking. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure there isn't more in the way of fraud on tickets, but anyway, that's <laughs> so. Last thoughts here. You know, any special learning, any anything that you've taken away from the whole story of the Taylor Swift con Taylor Swift concert tour that you would think about on a on an upcoming client? For myself, I think when building services, I would build with automation in mind. I don't necessarily know that I would build automation first. Microsoft used to have a saying, or, or several companies used to have a saying, it was uh, mobile first and they would develop for mobile so that you can yeah. access it on your phone. And I immediately knee-jerk react, reacted to automation first. But I don't necessarily think that's appropriate. I think they need to be side-by-side -side when mm -hmm. building. And then additionally, it brings into me when developing an automation uh, to think about, okay, what's the right way to do this? We can mm -hmm. do it and emulate this process exactly as I would as a consumer and as a human, but this website or this provider may already have a system that takes into consideration automation and bots and mm -hmm. APIs that I might already want to use. 
and to look at that before I start building with how I know how to do the process. All right, cool. Tracy, how about you? What uh, takeaways have you got from this experience? So I was uh, super interested in the, you know, the anti-negative bot response. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's it's automation as well. It, mm-hmm. If you think of the good guys that have to, to deal with um, preventing companies from taking websites down and stealing mm-hmm. tickets or, or buying tons of them, um, that's all automation. There are millions and millions of, of calls and huge amounts of traffic that spiked in, in small amounts of time. So I thought it was fascinating, all of the different ways. And I'm sure there are plenty of things that are not out in the public forums to be read about um, on the, the anti-automation front. Um, so I was super interested to, to hear the details of that. And then sat and well, thought sir, about- Hold on just yeah. a second, because I, I like that uh, point. Do you think you'd have a problem uh, presenting a solution to a client now that involve that kind of automation? You know, if they heard the word bot, they're going to freak out and, and say, oh, no, we don't want bots. I think bots can be used for, for any purpose, really, good or bad. Okay. You know, hopefully, the, I, in my view, the majority are for good purposes. Okay. So I think it's going to long-term benefit us all. Okay. All right. So sorry, I cut you off. What was your second so, point? So- yeah. On the uh, initially, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, why in the world did they not have a, a catch out there? I would have thought that would be, you know, mm-hmm. boilerplate foundational stuff. And thought about um, the ways to get past that. Um, it's AI, really. It, AI is image recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, clicking on the stoplights in different locations. They have to be. Uh, it's YouTube videos of how. Um, a bot sat and clicked without issue um, to pick what I thought was a really complicated um, CAPTCHA thought like that absolutely they're using AI. Uh, And and the single vendor, Google is the vast majority of CAPTCHAs. Um, They're the the Mm -hmm. provider for those. So it's become routine and easy with similar technology to to do negative things. So I I thought that was a, a fascinating angle too. And Wondered what uh, Google may be coming up with next to try to combat that. Um, those are new pictures from typically Google Earth. Right. Uh, they'll have to come up with something that's not <laughs> as formulaic. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's already services that are starting. I saw a service uh, the other day, and it's an identific- ID identification verification service. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see that be a bigger thing on our computers, maybe not present to consumers, but in the background, similar to cookies, something that it would be similar to a cookie to track your presence to say, okay, this is a known bot, or this is a bot, uh, and this is a verified human. But it, it's the behind the scenes verification of how all of that would work. And if mm-hmm. all the services can trust it or not, that will be interesting. Yeah, it does sound scary, you know, go, okay, I, I'm, I'm a verified human. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> just the words I'm not a bad, T2000. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what does it mean if I'm not verified? I, you know, I'm going to have a, you know, this existential crisis all day. I get a all green day. check mark? That's right. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I think we've covered this. I, I hope this, is, this will be enlightening for people listening in. I think it was uh, a really interesting case. Love your input here. Any last thoughts or can, shall we wrap up here? So uh, in my research, uh, I was fascinated that the government figured this out, at least that it was it could be a bad thing. Uh, I think it was at least a year ago, year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. 
put um, anti-bot laws out there for, for scalping purposes. I was amazed to see the tens of millions of dollars that individuals, um, there were three primary individuals that the, the government went after fairly recently. I, I could not believe the amount of profit they made off of these things. I, mm -hmm. I was surprised by it. So I'm imagining that uh, the big ticket vendors, um, any anyone that sells um, any super popular stuff, whether it be tickets or, or shoes or what mm -hmm. have you, have been thinking about how to get ahead of this issue for quite some time. So. All right. Well, it sounds like there's going to be much more interesting stuff to come. I'll keep track of it, and maybe we'll uh, get back together and see what's happened in, in another year. This has been Couch Convo's Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Tracy and Nick for joining me today, and thank you for listening. 